Isaiah 58 and Matthew 5, we're continuing our series called Connect the Dots, which is the vision that we've uh, set out for this year. And we've been uh, living inside this vision for uh, eight months now, and I just want to focus you for the fall. Last week we talked about, uh, out of those connections that you have to have, we talked about the importance of having a God connection. So in other words, there are those moments, there are all those, there are all those connections in life that we have to have in order for our life to work, in order for us to experience everything that God has established for us. Just like you can't uh, work your TV or your computer without plugging it in the wall. It has to be connected to electricity, and when it is, amazing things happen. You can't you know, uh, uh, log into the internet if you're not connected, your Wi-Fi or whatever, however it is. But when you're connected to the internet, look, look at all the things that are available to you. And that's the way it works in life, and that's the way it works in God's kingdom. When you are, when you are connected to the right things, look at all the incredible things that are available to you. And when you're not connected, they're not. And so what we talked about last week is having a, the importance of having a God connection. When you are connected to God, not in the event of salvation, but in an ongoing relationship with Him. We talked about that in prayer and worship. We gave you three ways to do it. Weekly worship, monthly soap, daily devotions. When you walk in a regular connection with God, the kingdom is available to you. All that God wants to do in your life is available to you. When you're disconnected, when you're randomly connected, those things are not as available or at all. So today we're going to talk about the second one of those connections. And I'm going to call this a go connection. In other words, our faith is not just about having a God connection, what comes in. Our faith is also our faith is also expanded by what goes out. If we just receive and have things put in our life and we never share, our spiritual life is hindered. In order to have a healthy, growing faith, we've got to help. We've got to be a part of doing Jesus' mission on earth. What was Jesus' mission on earth? He told us when he was here. He said, I came to seek and to save the lost. And if we don't have a participation, if we don't have a role, if we don't have an engagement, if we're not connected to his mission, then it has an effect on our own life. I'll show you in Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, 5 through 8. Listen to what uh, the Bible says. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? So we're talking about fasting. Only a day, only. Look at that word, only. Is this only what it is? Only a day for a man to humble himself. Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fast I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke and to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Look at verse 8. Then, when that connection is made, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. 
Now let me just simplify. I know we're talking about fasting, but this principle is true on a much broader scale. And let me just simplify that idea. Spiritual life isn't just about prayer and worship and fasting and reading the Bible. It's also about how you treat other people. It's also about sharing God's love with people who don't know Him. Every time in world history when the church has stopped doing Jesus' mission on the earth, the church's spiritual life has cooled off and frozen. Every time the church has stopped engaging in Jesus' work on the earth, the church has shrunk. It may take a generation. It might take two generations. But in time, it will cool off and turn inward, and, and it will begin to shrink and dwarf from what God wants us to be. And ultimately, its love for God will grow cold. Just being connected to God but not connected to the world He loves hinders our own spiritual life. Let me say it another way. You can't love God and not love what He loves. And the Bible says, for God so loved the world. He was motivated by His love for those who were disconnected from Him. And Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. That's why I showed up. That's why I'm here. I know a, uh, I know a pastor who was, was a spokesman, I want to say. He would go around and do conferences. Actually, he wasn't a pastor then. That was when, back when he was an expert. <laughs> and he'll tell you this. He would go around the country and he would talk about postmodernism. You've heard of postmodernism. It's that, you know, the world is radically reorganizing and changing. We were in the pre-modern era. We were in the modern era. Now we've thrust into the, or we're in transition at least, to the postmodern era. And so since this word became the big buzzword, nobody really knew what it meant. So he would go around and, and give lectures with a group of other uh, sort of experts uh, on what it meant. And he said he worked in a denominational headquarters, so he said he, lined, he determined, I'm going to figure out what this thing is. I'm going to figure out what it means. And uh, Because once he was in a conference sharing it, and a pastor raised his hand and said, well, what are we supposed to do? And he said, I just made up something because the truth is I had no idea. He said, but that uncomfortable awkwardness caused me to begin to search deeper. So he said, I set out to figure out what this thing is. And he said, he had, he said I had one entire shelf in my office where I'd collected articles and books and things on what postmodernism is, and then, then it turned into a bookshelf, then it turned into another bookshelf. He said, and then I figured out I had to get out of my office and figure it out. So he started to travel to the, there are communities in America that are known to be postmodern. I mean, they're, they're kind of, that's how they're organized. And so he, he went to them to try to figure out what are they. And through this whole process, God continued to to change his heart, to move him into Christ's mission. And he decided at 52 years old, what he really needed to do is get out of the denominational office, get out of where the bookshelves were, and he needed to move to Berkeley, California and plant a church. Berkeley! <laughs> I don't know if you call it Berkeley. I don't know if you got Berkeley, California, and plant a church. Berkeley is a fountain hub of... of Strange thinking. And so he went right up into the mothership. And he decided, I'm going to plant a church here. 
And I, I had a class with him once, and I heard his story. And I want to tell you one of the interesting things he said that really, really impacted me. He said, I went there to plant a church. I went there to save those people. And what I found out is, is those people saved me. In other words, it's not that he wasn't a Christian. It's that the process of engaging into Jesus' mission, into a community of people so far away from him, brought his faith to life in a way that sitting in an office reading about it never was going to. And it impacted him. In other words, when you and I are forced to set aside all our cliches, when the assumptions about our faith are challenged, and when in an attempt to share our faith with someone else, we strain for a more authentic explanation, we strain for a more authentic faith and a truer expression, it purifies our faith and it blesses us. I always hear it, every missions trip we do, I always hear it all the time. We went there to help those people. But boy, they really helped us. What is that about? That's about going on mission with Jesus. And when you do, it, it blows your faith up. It, it opens your faith up and your spiritual life thrives. Let me give you an example. You know what will change church for you? Let me tell you what will change church for you. You, you bring an unchurched friend or relative with you to Sunday morning worship, and I guarantee you that worship service will be different than every other one you've been to. It'll change it. You know why? Because you're praying, oh God, <laughs> please don't let the sermon be too long. Oh, Jesus. You're pray you, on, on your way here, you're doing your little niceties in the morning, and you're going to meet them here. And what's going through your mind are all the topics you hope I don't talk about. Right? All, oh, God, please don't let them. Please not today. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't say that. And you're praying the whole service. Oh, Lord. Oh, that was a good thing. Boy, you're looking at them. Oh, God, I hope that that got through. I hope that that sunk into their heart. Boy, I, boy, that's exactly, boy, God knew that's exactly what they needed to hear. Oh, and you're just praying under your breath. You're praying inside your heart. Lord, speak to my friend's heart today. And on that day, your senses are sharp and your faith is working. And it's not just another Sunday. Your spirit is alive change you. Whatever else it does to anybody else, it'll change you. Does that affect your relationship with God? Whoa. Yes. Why? Because you're on mission with Jesus. If any of you have ever had the opportunity when you were a kid or some of you that are younger, maybe you've got an opportunity to go to work with your dad. You know, a work day, shadow program, whatever they call it. And you show up to work, and you get to follow your dad around at work and see what he does all day and you know, all, the, all the stuff and all that. And what happens is, is that day looks different than any other day because you're at work with your dad. It's the same thing. Your faith looks different than any other time when you go to work with your spiritual dad. Your spiritual dad's work is to seek and to save the lost. And when you go to work with him, everything looks different. Everything looks different. So, if you've got a pen, I just want to give you some quick thoughts this morning on how is it that we 
stay connected to Jesus' mission. How is it that we have a go connection? How do, how do we do it? This isn't every way there is on earth to do it. I'm just going to give you some, okay? I'm going to give you uh, six quick thoughts. How are you and I between now and Christmas, between now and next time we break, how are we going to lock in in this season and stay connected to Jesus' mission on earth? Here's the first one. Live your faith. Live your faith. What I mean by that is live a godly life. Now, I want to be really clear on what I mean by this and define it right. I don't mean live a good life because good is defined by each person. Everybody's got their own morals. What I mean by live a godly life, though, a godly life is defined by Jesus. It's not defined by us. It's not subjective. It's, it's, it's objective. It's Jesus' own standard. Don't cut corners. Protect your integrity. Your integrity is only worth what you're willing to sacrifice to keep it. That's what your integrity's worth. And you guys that are, you ladies and guys that are in the marketplace, those that you have people working for you, you work for other people, don't cut the corners. Don't be the guy, don't be the lady that's known as the one that'll do anything to climb the ladder or, or, or uh, you know, stab somebody in the back or undermine somebody else's work or push your own way forward. Don't, don't cut the corners. Live a godly life. And that, and that will, that will shine. I can remember when I worked at a hospital, uh, when I was 19 and, uh, I I was just, uh, I always cut it too close. I hated being to work early. You know, I had to be there all day anyway. I didn't want to be early. So I'd come rolling in. It was about a 25-minute drive on the interstate from my house. I'd come rolling in. I mean, I did this for months. and I think it became a game to the people. You had to go into the main office where all the people were, and they would watch you check in. You know, they, they would watch you, and they'd write you up. It was real intense. I worked in a, a large hospital, 6,500 6, employees, very intensely managed, very departmentally driven. And, and if you, they had the rules, and if you missed one, you're going to get written up. That's just the way it is. And so I'd come in, my clock in time was 7 a.m. I can't tell you how many times I got there at 6.59. I don't even want to tell you. And the truth is, I think 6.58 is the earliest I ever remember getting there. And, and there were a lot of days I'd walk in and the door would pop behind me and it would go, 7. <laughs> Just click over. Or it'd already be there and I'd go, because uh, uh, I don't know how long I've got left. I mean, it was that. So I can remember one day, only by God's grace was I only ever late once. I don't, I don't know how it didn't happen. But I came in one day, and the clock had already rolled over to 7.01. And I went, oh. And there I am in the office, and there's four or five people in there, and the assistant, whatever, boss is there. And everybody's, nobody's looking, but everybody's looking. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's really obvious that they're looking, but they're looking. And so I went over, and I signed in, and I closed the book, and I left. And I signed in 7.01. And later on, that assistant boss pulled me aside privately, and he said, he said, why did you do that? He said, I would not have written you up if you wouldn't have signed in at 701, but now that you did, I have to. I don't have a choice. And it opened a door for me to share my faith. I got written up. But that one little fracture in my integrity would have caused some doors to close that would have been open otherwise. And so I'm just saying you can't make a difference if you're not different. You have to, you have to live differently. 
even if it costs you, and, and your integrity is going to cost you. It's somewhere, somehow, something. It always does. Live a godly life. You know, be careful what you post on Facebook. There's just a thought. I mean, I read some things and I go, I thought they were saved. <laughs> you know? Wow! Think about, think of, I don't know why there's something in the human brain that says when I sit at my computer alone and put this on the internet, nobody can see it but me. I don't know why we think that. But everybody, I, this is a newsflash and it's going to shock, some of you are going to have to leave, you're going to be nauseated. What you put on the internet, everybody can read. It's a miracle. Be careful what you put, post. Living a joy-filled spiritual life where God's presence is strong in your life, where your fellowship with God is strong, where His Word has dominion in your mind. That's living a godly life. There's a verse in Psalms that says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. And in the New Testament, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now watch this. Salt is for tasting and light is for seeing. And our lives are to be lived in such a way that when people who are in darkness are with us, they can taste God and they can see God. Taste and see. And that happens by living a godly life. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. They may see the good things you do and glorify your Father in heaven. Somehow, living a godly life acts like a mirror that reflects God. When you live a, when you live a, a godly life, it actually, God gets the credit, and, that, and that's a powerful thing. When's the last time an unchurched person asked you about your spiritual life? It's a good question. Here's the second one. Okay, so live a godly life, and then number two, pray. One of the most compassionate and unselfish things you can do is just to pray for somebody who doesn't, who doesn't know God, who's far away from God, who's unchurched. And they won't even know you're doing it unless you tell them. And, and maybe the day opens for you to do that. So I would just encourage you between now and Christmas, write down one or two names. And, just, and when you pray, I, this would be a good way to do it. Put a phone prompt in, in your smartphone. Put a little prompt in there, a little notification will pop up. Put it on Facebook. If you're a Facebook junkie, put it on Facebook. Put it under birthdays, but every day's their birthday. <laughs> it pops up. And, and, and when that pops up, just say a quick prayer for them. Lord, I pray today you touch this person. And, 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 and as you pray for a person, you'll begin to see them differently, and you'll begin to see the needs in their life differently. And as needs arise in their life, you can ask them, can I pray for you? Can I, can I, is it okay if I pray, if, if I remember you in prayer for this? Is, would that be? And they'll almost always say yes. I mean, what can you gain out of it? You don't have anything to gain. And the day may come when they even let you pray with them about something. And you'll just have to discern that out as you, as you go along. The question is, when's the last time you prayed regularly for someone who's a long way from God? Here's the third one. Live a godly life, pray, serve. Serving is so important because when we do it, we are operating in a different spirit than the world operates. The world is self-serving and self-seeking and, and selfish. 
And, and Jesus' disciples were, were like that. They just wanted Jesus to come in and take over through his own influence. Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness to take over through his power and through his miracles. But Jesus refused to give in. Instead, he served his disciples. He served the crowds that followed him. And ultimately, he served all of us by surrendering on the cross. The darkness in this world can only be defeated by operating in a spirit that's different than the darkness. It can't be defeated through power. It can't be defeated through politics. It can't be defeated through government. It can't be defeated through control. It can't be defeated that way. It must be defeated through humility. It must be defeated through serving and prayer. And it must be defeated that way. And so when we serve the way Jesus did, we challenge the darkness. We penetrate it. And serving is so important because it sends the message, God loves you unconditionally. And there's a million ways to serve. There's a million ways to do it. The simplest way is just to listen and offer kindness. Uh, if you'll listen to people closely enough, you'll hear needs. And when that happens, you can offer prayer. You can offer a word of encouragement. You can offer maybe even something tangible. But when you, when you listen, you can hear that. Uh, Danny Northrup, who pastors in, uh, I think, Fort Collins, Colorado, their church has really uh, taken on a servant role in their community. It's grown and grown and grown and grown. They've, they've become such a blessing to so many people. He said one statement changed his entire church. One question or statement, however you want to think about it, changed his entire church. He said, here it is. Tell me more. So he said, I, I'm, I'm at the restaurant, and a waitress comes over, and, you know, she's got uh, ear, earrings in her eyebrow, and she's got this crazy haircut, and she's got tattoos all down her arm, and rather than me saying, you know what, you shouldn't do that to your body, you ought to be in church, or you ought to do this, you ought to do that, he said, what I did is I said to her, hey, tell me about your tattoos. Tell, tell me about your, where, where did you get those, what, what, what do they represent, tell, tell me about that. And so now I'm taking interest in you rather than trying to tell you what to do. I'm, 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 anybody that will get involved in your history, it's a way to express care. And he says that one sentence changed his church. So serve. Live a godly life, pray, serve. Here's the fourth one, invite. You're, you're probably at Kingwood Church today because somebody invited you. Probably. You're probably a Christian today because somebody invited you to Christ. I mean, somebody said, whether it was a, a pastor, a speaker, a friend, a family member, your mom and dad, somebody probably said, would you like to pray and ask Jesus into your heart? That's probably, one, that's probably I mean, not everybody, but that's probably how most of us in the room were, were posed with that question. You've probably been invited Every Christian, I want you to think about this. Every Christian in the New Testament was invited by someone to the group because they had no church building. The early church had no building. They met in homes. You wouldn't just come to somebody's private home without an invitation. Every Christian in the New Testament was invited. So you couldn't just show up. Where would you show up to? You couldn't find them on the Internet. They didn't have a website. Where, where, would, you, where would you get it? So I want to encourage you, between now and Christmas, 
There are those people that you are connecting with. There are those people you are praying for. There are those people that you are serving that the day is going to come when you're going to say, hey, would you like to come to church with me this Sunday? And here's what we're going to do. Every sermon series we do this fall and, and have done the last year, we provide at least one opportunity in that series. I don't know when, don't know where. Every series we do, we're going to have at least one of those Sundays when we're going to, we're going to invite people to ask Jesus into their heart. We're going to give an opportunity at the prayer time for a person to pray and receive Christ. And, and there's other things. Maybe they're not ready to do that. You know, we have a trunk or treat. You can remember this October 31st, Halloween, all of that. We do a big old servolution party to serve our city and let our city know. We're, what, what are we doing? They're coming for the candy. We're coming to penetrate the darkness. We're operating in a different spirit. And that operation changes things. Then this Christmas, we'll, of course, have the gospel according to Scrooge. 26th year, we have people in our church who found Christ at Scrooge. And so that's a great opportunity. Maybe in your own life group. You might could bring somebody to your life group. Maybe that's the right environment. Say, hey, I've, I go to a Bible study, whatever you want to call it, a group, whatever your group does. Hey, would you like to come to our group? And that gives people a way in. All right, let me give you two more ways. You're taking notes this morning. Let me give you the last two thoughts. How do you stay connected to Jesus' mission on earth? Here's the fifth one. Go on a missions trip. Go on a missions trip. It's our dream that everybody at Kingwood Church would go on a missions trip at least one time in their life. Because when you get on mission with Jesus, it has a profound impact on you. When you go on a missions trip, you will give more time in one week to Jesus' mission on earth than most Christians give all year. You'll give about 180 hours on a missions trip. And that's more than many believers give all year long. And it, and it has a big impact on your life. Now look, all our trips are hand-picked. In other words, Pastor Clark flies all over the world, and he goes to the location, he scouts it out, he looks at it, he determines if it's a fit for us, he finds out where everything is, then he comes back home, and he and I talk about it, and he says, you know, I and a few of the folks that work with me in the missions team, we feel like this is a good fit, and then we make a decision. Every trip we do is handpicked, and every trip we do is custom fit to the team that goes to that location. So it is a high-quality experience. Let me give you two new trips that I'm going to announce today. Most of you have not heard of these yet. This is brand new. Next year, we're going to offer uh, two trips, that, two places we've never been to before. And here they are. We're going to go to Hillcrest Children's Home. That's a foster care facility and adoption agency for children. It, we're going to go, it's a renovation project. There's going to be a huge variety of tasks that any, there'll be something for everybody to do. We're going to have some time, some ministry time with the kids while we're there. This is a fantastic trip. If you've never been on a trip before, this is a fantastic trip for first timers. Now, uh, it's going to be June 1st through 7th, and it's going to be in Hot Springs, Arkansas. So you don't need a passport. It's not that far. The cost will be a lot lower than going out of the country. Uh, but man, you can get on mission with Jesus pretty quick in that one. Here's the second one. We're going to Vienna Christian Center in Vienna, Austria. Vienna, Austria. There's an international church there, about 1,500 people. Many of you have heard of uh, Larry and Melinda Henderson, missionaries we have a very good relationship with. They're the pastor of the international church there. There are eight 
language groups inside that church. What I mean by that is they have worship services or, or church meetings in eight different languages. And that, that uh, conglomeration makes up Vienna Christian Center uh, where 1,500 people call that church home. Now, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be uh, working. They have, a, they have a retreat facility that the, their church uses 40 weekends a year for discipleship and encounter-type retreats. We're going to be going staying at the retreat center. We're going to be doing renovation at the retreat center. And then we're going to be going over to the church and sharing some of the worship services with them. Actually, I was in a pastor's uh, group about three weeks ago, and I was in the group the whole week with uh, Gernhard. Gernhard is the pastor of the German-speaking church. He's bilingual. He speaks English as well. And so I got the opportunity to spend some time with him. It's going to be a fantastic trip uh, that we'll go to next September, June and September. So sometime this fall, you'll have to make a decision if you're going on one of those to sign on. Uh, you've got some time. We'll get more information to you. All right, here's the last one. Give. How do you keep, how do you stay connected to Jesus' mission? And then you can give. I'm, I'm so excited about this that I, I it's, one of the, it's one of the literal highlights uh, in my mind of what our church is doing for Jesus' mission on the earth right now. We set out in March to, we targeted six new missionaries who we didn't support and we said, we want to take these six missionaries on. And if you were here last week, you heard me say when the Dickersons were here, we've now taken on, in I guess four months, five of those six missionaries that we targeted. I'm believing by the end of this year, we will add the sixth one and we'll be way ahead of schedule. And who knows, by next year's missions convention, we may even have taken on seven, eight, or nine. But we, we want to do everything we can do. If you're not involved in giving in missions, we really do it, uh, I guess, three ways. Uh, every week when we take the offering, people who said, I'll give $25 to support a missionary or 50 or 100 whatever, uh, you give that way, give online. Also, uh, we have missionaries that visit, like last Sunday, and we always take an offering seven or eight times a year. Uh, and and all, look, all those funds go to missions. We don't, you know, we don't, I stopped going to the, the, the trophy meetings a long time ago where they give you a trophy for how much your church gave. And, and we've taken on missionaries that don't even qualify uh, in, our, in our group because we don't care about that. What we care about is getting the people on the ground, in the foreign field, and doing the work of God on earth. That's our deal. Uh, so uh, that's another way that you, can, that you can make a big impact. And things like Celebrate America and the local things that we do are part of that mission work. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to give you one more thing. So we talked about a lot of things now that we're going to be doing as a church that you can do individually from now to, now to Christmas to stay connected to Jesus' mission. I want to give you one more that's going to be a big surprise. I've been waiting for about a month to do this. And uh, I want to do that. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. And here's what I want to do. I want to ask uh, the entire Hispanic ministry, everybody in our Hispanic ministry, uh, Manuel and Doris and all you guys, would you come down for a minute and meet me here on the floor? <clears throat> and then Nathan, uh, Nathan Robertson, are you here? I know he was in, uh, serving in kids' church this morning. If you're already in the room, I'd like for you to come too. Nathan, are you in the room? There you are. Come on up, man. <laughs> 
this is this is some cool stuff our church is very diverse we have people from a lot of backgrounds here I had a lady at a newcomer's lunch about three months ago say to me she said you know most churches that we go to it's it's this color or this color she said we love it here because we couldn't even get in the front door and we already found people outside our own group. Come on, guys. Come on right here. Manuel and Dorsey, would, would you guys come up? Uh, you may, I don't know if you are going to still translate or you are. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, man. I understand. Thank you, Doris. Uh, c- come on right here. To me. Come on, Nathan. Come on up here. And, uh, and she said, and here's what she said. Had only been to our church one time. She said, you know, I like that because I think that church should look like heaven. And she said, this church looks like heaven. And I said, I think it should too. Come on, come on. Come on down. This is really, really, really neat day. Really, really neat day. Yes. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on across. We want everybody. You can come on this. Come on up on the steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, come on. There you go. Good, good. So we'll have room for everybody. Yeah, keep, keep coming. I think there'll be some more coming behind you. Yes. This is great. This is, the, this is one of the things we're going to do this fall to keep our church connected with the Great Commission. Manuel and Doris and their team, they've been praying and planning and training for a year. For, for a year. I didn't even know it was that long. For a year. That's how committed they are. For a year. To start a worship service all in Spanish all music, all worship all preaching, all prayer everything in Spanish yes their service is going to be on Wednesday nights in the sanctuary on Sunday morning they'll be here with us at 9 o'clock so we stay connected but we have a greater ability to reach Spanish speaking people now, I don't know how that makes you feel. I, I'm, it literally blesses my heart. Blesses my heart. Praise the Lord. I can't be more proud of this group of people and Manuel and Doris and their leaders than I am today. And so... This Wednesday night, that's why today's so cool, they kick off, but it's, it's uh, practice, a tri- not a trial, like a tribulation. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, like a practice. They start, they've been planning this Wednesday night, they start uh, a kind of an in-house version that's a, the practice, they're going to come and do that for a few weeks. September 11th is the, is the public that's when they're inviting everybody. It's the public worship. That's the first big kickoff. And on this first Sunday, uh, uh, the couple that you, are you guys here? Yes. Edwin and Evelyn, right? And Evelyn. Yes. Hey, 
this is the coolest thing. Come on around. At, at their first service, these guys have been believers uh, for about two, two months. Two months. They've accepted Christ. And, and their first uh, wedding was, uh, was in a courthouse. Or, yes. And so what they want to do in their new life, they want to turn over a new leaf. And this Wednesday night, uh, Manuel, here in the sanctuary, is going to perform in the middle of the first service a wedding ceremony, quick wedding for these guys, and because uh, they want to be married in the church. Isn't that great? That's going to happen this, this Wednesday. Thank you for being here. It's incredible. Now, w- what we want to do is we want to pray, uh, but at the same time, I want to show you something else here that's happening. Uh, Nathan has been, how long have you been here? Five years. He came through Master's Commission. Mark and Peggy, would you come and stand with him, please? And he's been serving his heart out in kids' ministry. And actually, they had, what, uh, snacks for you this morning and food. And they celebrated the kids' ministry team. Uh, Nathan is leaving and going to Amarillo, Texas, where he's going to be a children's pastor, a church of about 500. And so what God has done in his life, he's going to take on. Isn't that great? And so we want to celebrate him today, and we want to bless him. Now, here's, here's what I want to do. I know it's going to be a little crowded, but I want you to stand, and as many as you can, I want you to come, and I want you to lay your hands on this group. Just, just put your hands on their shoulder. Put, put, stand with these guys. I want, I want this ministry to know when this service is over that there's a church that's standing with them, believing God for them, encouraging them, praying for them. And, and boy, Wednesday, make it a day of prayer. Man, let's pray and ask God to, to, to give us a breakthrough in the Hispanic community. Peggy pray for Nathan and uh, if you guys would let turn your attention toward Nathan and let's pray for him and then we'll all pray for Wednesday night Lord, we bless you today. Heavenly Father I want to thank you, thank you for, for the call of God that rests on this young man Lord I pray that Nathan would go in the power and the anointing yes. of the Holy yes. Spirit yes. representing you your people the kingdom of God yes the Holy Spirit would fill him and anoint him and that you would give him creativity and administrative skills and anything he needs to accomplish the work of the ministry in Amarillo, Texas. Father, thank you for the privilege of him coming and learning and training and serving at this place. And we send him out today. We ordain him today to do your will as he goes to Amarillo, Texas. In the name of Jesus. Manuel, would you, I don't want to put you on the spot, would you mind praying for the group on Wednesday night, the Hispanic team? And we'll agree. Would you guys come into agreement with Manuel endorsing their ministry? In agreement in the Lord spirit. Jesus. Because I'm going to pray in Spanish. Go ahead. We'll agree with you. 
Gracias, Señor Jesús, por estar en esta iglesia, Señor. En esta iglesia donde el amor de Dios está aquí. Que tu amor ha sido derramado y el amor, Señor, ha sido expandido a todos los demás. Te damos gracias, Señor, porque esta iglesia nos ama. Te pedimos por el servicio, Señor, por aquellos que van a venir. Por aquellos que van a venir, Señor, y que vamos a alcanzar. Aquellos, Señor, que tú vas a arrebatar de las tinieblas para traerlo, Señor, a tus pies. Thank you, Jesus, for this lovely, lovely church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you today for your grace. We thank you today for the love of God that is unlimited and unconditional. And Lord, I pray your love would find its way in every language, in every group, in every tribe, in every tongue, in every nation on earth. Lord, I pray this place would be a place of great grace. This would be a reflection of heaven. Lord, we pray over the ministry team Wednesday night for unity, for peace, Lord, for, for a deeper relationship, for a greater missional focus. God, I pray that you would allow us to take back from the darkness people in the Spanish-speaking community that have been bound by many things. Lord, let your light shine. Let your love flow. Let this be a place of grace and love. We bind our hearts with our brothers and sisters this morning for your mission.